all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. I'm Karen Brown with surgical pathologist Dr. Allie Brown in for Dr. Michelle Owens today. When Irish eyes are smiling. No, I'm not just singing for St. Patrick's Day. It is a hint to our topic, which is your eyes and how you see. Can you see? How well do you see? Ophthalmologist Dr. Kimberly Crowder joins us to answer your questions. The number to call is 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with the show right after news from NPR on MPB Think Radio. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. The leader of Germany has just arrived at the White House for what's being described as a high-stakes one-on-one meeting with President Trump. NPR's Scott Horsley says German Chancellor Angela Merkel and President Trump have very different visions and approaches to some of the most pressing issues facing the globe. Chancellor Merkel certainly had some differences with former President Obama, especially around U.S. spying on foreign leaders. But they generally saw the world through a similar lens, and they shared a commitment to the liberal international order. President Trump has a very different vision, much more nationalistic. He is skeptical of the European Union, of which Chancellor Merkel is a champion. He's also been very critical of Merkel about her welcoming attitude towards refugees. NPR Scott Horsley, the U.K. is denying it was involved in unfounded claims of wiretapping Donald Trump during the presidential campaign. Here's NPR's Frank Langfitt. The agency responded after White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer repeated a claim on Fox News that Obama had outsourced spying on Trump to the U.K. Sir Malcolm Rifkind, who chaired a parliamentary intelligence committee, had this to say on BBC. Given that it's complete garbage, it's complete rubbish, I hope the British government will get in contact very courteously and very politely with our American colleagues in the White House and say it is now necessary for the White House to make clear there is no suggestion that the British government were remotely involved in any activity of this kind. Britain is one of America's closest allies, and the agency ordinarily does not comment on its intelligence work. Frank Langford, NPR News, London. The U.S. Secretary of State says all options are on the table when it comes to addressing an escalating nuclear weapons threat from North Korea. During a stop in Seoul today, Rex Tillerson suggested military action would not be ruled out. But he says the U.S. is hoping other avenues, including sanctions, will be enough to convince Kim Jong-un's regime to reconsider. North Korea has accelerated its weapons development in violation of the U.N. Security Council. The death toll is now up to 42 from last night's attack on a boat filled with people escaping conflict in Yemen. 
Here's NPR's Alice Fordham. The International Organization for Migration's Mohamed Abdika says at 3 a.m. a boat carrying more than 160 Somali refugees and migrants was traveling either to Somalia or Sudan. Somalis who fled hunger, war and poverty in their own country to get to Yemen have increasingly fled again as Yemen has become consumed with war. Survivors of the attack said they were hit either by a helicopter or a warship or both. No nation has claimed responsibility. Several countries have military vessels in the area, although Saudi Arabia has been particularly active in enforcing a naval blockade on Yemen. Dozens of the survivors are injured, including some who are in a critical condition. Alice Fordham, NPR News, Beirut. The Dow is off slightly. This is NPR News. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin and Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen are meeting today and tomorrow with fellow finance ministers and central bankers from the Group of 20 Nations. Steve Beckner says the meeting in Germany could be contentious. It is Mnuchin's first chance to talk with G20 counterparts since President Trump took office. And while the global economic climate has improved, there are tensions among the major trading countries. Mnuchin is likely to stress U.S. opposition to other nations resorting to alleged currency manipulation to gain an unfair trade advantage. Mnuchin, in turn, could get an earful on Trump trade positions, such as his aversion to multilateral trade agreements and a proposed border adjustment that would tax imports but exempt exports. Trump's plans to undo banking regulations put in place after the financial crisis may also raise hackles. For NPR News, I'm Steve Beckner. The Federal Reserve is reporting a pickup in U.S. factory output for the month of February. It is the sixth straight monthly increase in manufacturing output due in large part to gains in autos, computers and steel. Labor strikes are prompting Alitalia to cancel 40 percent of its flights Monday. The airline says air traffic controllers and others in the transport sector are protesting. Unions are angry about the airline's plan to slash a reported 2,000 jobs, maybe more. The airline had announced restructuring plans in part to better compete with low-cost carriers. U.S. stocks are mixed with the Dow off three points at 20,931. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Visiting Angels, professional caregivers assisting adults at home in bathing, dressing, meals, and light housework nationwide. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Learn more at 1-800-365-4189. This is Southern Remedy for Women with Dr. Michelle Owens on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. Good morning. Welcome. Thank you for listening to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown. I'm here with Dr. Allie Brown. She's a surgical pathologist. She's in for, well, actually, you're always here, but you're sitting in the chair of Dr. Michelle Owens, who is out today. We are speaking about your eyes today and how you see. I opened the show by singing a little bit. Did you hear me? 
I didn't. didn't. I'm sorry when I missed Irish that. Irish eyes are smiling. Oh, how appropriate <laughs> on so many levels. See, yeah. it's St. Patrick's Day. We're talking about eyes. And our special guest is ophthalmologist Dr. Kimberly Crowder. Good morning. Good morning, and thanks for coming. We're talking about vision in general. Any problems you might be having, we'll talk about, you know, different types of vision problems, the most common symptoms, that sort of thing. Uh, first of all, good morning, Dr. Brown. Good morning, Ms. Brown. How are you today? I'd like to be a doctor today. Can I play one on the Good radio? Good morning, Dr. Karen Brown. <laughs> I have to say that Karen is wearing a green shirt, a shamrock necklace, and is sitting at a green microphone. And I'm Irish, too. And you're, well, she has red hair and green eyes. <laughs> I mean, I feel very festive. I have no green on. <laughs> You'll get pinched later. My, I've been pinched by each of my children. Dr. Already. Crowder has green on. Yeah, yeah. Under so her scrubs. I, I, for, I didn't get the memo. Well, thanks for coming, Dr. Crowder. Tell us about yourself, first of all. That's how we always start out. So I practice ophthalmology full-time at UMC. Um, I'm currently also fulfilling the role as the chairman of the department. I have um, been at UMC for many, many years, starting with medical school and then residency, and I have served as the residency program director for um, several years before taking over as the chair. Um, I, I do thankfully still see patients and I still teach and so I don't have to do total administrative work but um, so yes I, I in, enjoy my job. You're pretty busy. I am. Where are you from? I'm from Jackson. I um, grew up here um, since I was in high school and then I actually graduated from Millsaps so I've been in the same um, you know one mile radius. <laughs> <laughs> Let for, me give the phone number. Years. Okay good. Let me give the phone number out. Uh, we're Again, talking about vision, and if you have a question about your vision, call one eight seven seven MPB ring eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can also send an email if you'd prefer to women at mpbonline dot org. Let's get started. What is the most common problem associated with the eye? Um, well, that's a very broad question. It depends largely on family history, medical history, what your age is. Um, you know, there, there, there. That, that's that's too big to answer in one sentence. Um, you know, one thing that I do see a lot of is um, patients with cataracts. Um, cataracts is one of those things that is a normal aging process. Um, the eye has a lens, just like a camera has a lens, and as we age, that lens becomes cloudier. Um, um, it can be accelerated um, in diabetics and people who have to have to take steroids. You know, there are certain conditions that can accelerate cataract development, but everybody will develop cataracts um, if they live long enough. Not everybody has cataract surgery because we don't we don't take out a cataract just because we see it. If it, we wait until it is visually significant, meaning that the patient's vision is blurry from the cataract, and then we'll do surgery. But um, everybody, um, you know, as they age, will develop cataracts so that is something I see a lot of in my practice so I guess they form so slowly over your lifetime you don't even realize it's happening right true and so you know what I'll tell my patients in their you know late 50s and early 60s who still see 2020 you know with their glasses and you know know, having no vision problems whatsoever I say you know yes I see some early cataracts and they say what does that mean I say that means you no longer have 20 year old lenses you know this is this is just a normal aging process for you and we don't have to do anything about it 
it until um, it affects your vision. Is cataract something that sits on top of the eye? I've always heard about you peel them off. That's not so, true. Not exactly. It is it, the the lens is actually inside the eye. It is um, it it's seated immediately behind the colored part of your eye. So the colored part of your eye is called the iris, and the lens sits right behind your iris, and it focuses. It, it's its job. It's it's one of the focusing powers of the eye. It helps focus the light on the retina, and you know which is the nerve tissue in the back of the eye. So the part that Karen's talking about peeling off, because everyone's heard about those surgeries. So it, it is an actual surgery. We, we, you know, there are laser assisted cataract procedures, but you can't completely just zap it away with a laser in today's technology. You still have to actually go inside the eye and remove the eye's natural lens. And then you replace it with a plastic lens implant. Oh, do you go in from the side or do you have to go through the iris to get to it? So you, you dilate the pupil, the, you know, which means that you move all, all the iris out of the way with dilating drops prior to the surgery. And then the lens is right is exposed um, to where you can get to it directly. But it, um, you, it, the incision is through the cornea, which is through the clear windshield of the eye. Um, it's about a you know two to three millimeter incision um, through the cornea in order to get to the lens. Yeah, it's so weird for people to think that your pupil, that black part in the front, is actually a hole. It's a hole. It's not. It's, it's not, not a, a black thing, right? right. It's, it's a hole. It's a hole. Yeah. So I can see why you don't do it all the time. <laughs> you let people have their cataracts and leave them alone. Well, no, I mean I, I, I enjoy doing cataract surgery, and when it's time, then you know patients know it's time because um, they can't see as well to drive or to read, you know, or you know, in any other activity of daily living that um, they can't do as well as they once could do due to their vision. Then it's time to get rid of them yeah so take-home messages everyone's going to have them so don't get too worried it doesn't mean that you have to have the surgery unless it's really affecting your quality of life exactly exactly i'm going to give the phone number out again 1-877-MPB-RING 877-672-7464 or email women at mpbonline.org how about glaucoma what is that so glaucoma is a disease of the optic nerve. So our optic nerve is is what connects our eyeball to our brain. So I kind of explain to patients, you know, you if you have a lamp and then you have a cord and then you have an outlet, okay, the lamp is your eye, the cord is the optic nerve, and then the outlet is your brain. And so this is a very important nerve. You you know, um um you you have to have this functioning, you know, if it has if it develops um, any kind of disease pathology, then it can permanently make you lose vision. So glaucoma is a very, very common eye disease um, that unfortunately is asymptomatic until it is very, very late in the stages. And so that's why it's very important that patients get screened for what glaucoma. Is, what is the um, ophthalmologist or optometrist doing when they put that thing against your eyeball and it vibrates and you go, <laughs> so they are they are checking your intraocular pressure and so high intraocular pressure is a risk factor for glaucoma but it's not a diagnosis. What is so, intraocular pressure? So that, that is mean? just like a tire has a pr- has to have a pressure, your eye has to have a pressure but if the pressure is too high then we know it can damage the optic nerve but a lot of people do have um, what we call normal tension glaucoma um, meaning that you know what has historically been considered a normal eye pressure um, that does not mean that the 
patient does not have glaucoma. So that's why it's imperative that you're screened for this disease, not just with the pressure checker, but you actually need an examination of your optic nerve to look um, for signs of glaucoma. And how do you examine the optic nerve? So you you have to go to see an eye doctor. <laughs> there, there's no way to examine your own optic nerve. That's, that's why this disease does not get diagnosed in people who don't get regular screening exams until very late in the game. Because um, like I said, it is asymptomatic um, until very late stages of the disease. But it so does make people go blind, unfortunately. Don't just go see the eye doctor because you need your prescription changed or you're right. having, but you need to go just like anything else for regular checkups. How so, often does someone need to see the ophthalmologist? So it depends on um, your age and your family history. Um, if you are age 60 or above, because the incidence of glaucoma and other eye diseases does increase substantially with age. So if you're 60 or above, you should be having a complete eye exam once a year. If you have a family history, you know, direct family member, meaning mom, dad, brothers, or sisters who have a uh, diagnosis of glaucoma, then we recommend you start getting screened um, as early as your 40s. Okay, we're going to go to the phones and Roger's calling in from Florence. Roger, go ahead. Hello? I couldn't get the hello. Hey, Roger. <laughs> We're ready. Oh, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> you're good. Good morning. Well, I'm, I'm calling because I had an experience that perhaps the doctors had some experience with, and it, but it took six or eight years for my ophthalmologist, I won't say who, to recognize after my complaining of seeing four visions to discover that I had monocular dipropia, and it was, it was cataracts that caused it. So it's not rare, I suppose, but it's not unheard of. But it may be unheard of to some ophthalmologists. It certainly apparently was to my ophthalmologist. And I complained for years. I finally drew a picture and showed both left and right uh, circles, you know, with two <laughs> two parking uh, road lines going out, you know. Anyway, I was seeing four of everything. Wow. And it was, and it was the cataracts. Like a housefly. They were not ripe, you know, so I complained for years, and finally they said, well, let's give it a try on one eye, and they did, and it's perfect, and then the other eye. So that eliminated the problem. It's called monocular dipropia. I had to look it up, and uh, but it... So please comment on that uh, to the extent that you have any knowledge of it. Thank yeah, you. Yes, sir. Thank you for um, calling in about that. Um, there, There is a list of differentials for patients who have monocular diplopia, and cataract is definitely on the list. Um, the other thing that I commonly see is dry eye can give you the same symptoms, and um, your glasses prescription not being correct can give you similar symptoms. Um, but cataract is definitely on the differential, and you're correct in saying that a lot of people who have, you know, monocular diplopia may still read our charts 2020. So we have to be very careful when we say the cataract is ripe or not ripe, because ultimately, you know, you need cataract surgery at whatever point the cataract is um, affecting your vision to the point that it's affecting your, you know, activities, daily living or your quality of life. So if you're seeing four, you know, signs or whatever, you know, um, then, but I mean, then like that double would, vision would be horrible. You can't even get your balance what is scene four like so so it's it's a little bit different when when you have double vision um it can either be because your eyes are not lined up correctly and that's a neurologic thing and that's what we call binocular diplopia okay or it can be with only one eye open if you know if you cover the other eye and you only have one eye open then you're still seeing multiple images out of that one eye so when that happens we know it's not neurologic and um that it's something in the eye um but like i said you know 
Um, there, there are several things that can cause monocular diplopia. Um, but, you know, definitely if, if it looks like it is the cataract that is causing it, then it doesn't matter, you know, the, the degree of ripeness, quote unquote. And I'm not really sure even where that term came from. Um, I have patients who ask me that. Ripe cataracts. They ask me that frequently. They say, is it ripe? And I'm saying, it, you know, and so what I try to explain is it doesn't matter what I see. It matters what they're seeing. And mm-hmm. so if their vision is not clear enough to do the things that they need to do and it is due to the cataract, then it's quote unquote ripe. We need to take our first break and we'll leave you with the ripe image of their <laughs> cataracts. If you want to give us a call, please do at 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. Stay with us here on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Hi, this is Grassroots host Bill Ellison. You know, after more than 20 years, you'd think I might have run out of Bill Monroe and Doc Watson songs to play. Well, not so. The bluegrass, acoustic, and folk music scene is vibrant with new names like Sarah Jarose and the Punch Brothers. There are always new stories from Guy Clark and Ramblin' Jack, and legendary bluegrassers Ralph Stanley and Del McCurry are still high and lonesome. And besides, I still find a song from Bill and Doc I've never played. Join me Saturday night at 8 for Grassroots on MPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women, little Van Morrison. But listen to the lyrics. Brown-eyed girl, we're talking about eyes today. I'm here with Dr. Allie Brown. She's a surgical pathologist and Dr. Kimberly Crowder. She is our special guest today, an ophthalmologist at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And we're going right to the phones and Sharon is calling in from Mobile. Sharon, good morning. Good morning. Go ahead. Uh, yes, I'm trying to find out if there's any treatment for lazy eye in adults. And let me preface this by saying that I was tra- uh, patched as a child and did not have any problems until uh, over the last couple of years. More so after the long day, I can my eye is definitely uh, doing a lot of moving. And is there any hope for, for any kind of treatment for this? So when people say lazy eye, there there's 
there's usually two different terms we, we need to distinguish. And so one form of what people describe as a lazy eye is actually amblyopia, where the one eye did not develop the vision correctly in one eye. So it sees um, less clear than the other eye. Um, it can sometimes be corrected with glasses, but we really need to we really need to have diagnosed that and treated it as a child. Um, the eye, when you're born, your eyes do not see clearly from birth. They have to develop this vision and it happens. Um, most of the development happens over the first five years of life, um, but it, it completes its process usually around ages 10 or 12. So we have to make sure that the eye um, is, is able to see clearly enough in order to develop, in order to have normal vision. Um, if you don't use an eye as a child, then you do not develop that vision. Um, the other thing that people refer to as lazy eye, which sounds more like you're referring to, is um, if the eyes are not perfectly lined up together. So if the eyes are not straight, um, so our eyes have muscles attached to the outside of them that are connected to the brain and um, the the brain has to have, you know, intervention into those muscles to hold them in place so that we only see one image and so that we see clearly. And some children, um, the, it, the eyes will not line up correctly and an eye might turn in or turn out. And um, so, you know, there that might happen if the eye is not seeing well, or it might happen just because the muscles are not functioning properly. So in children, then we do what's called strabismus surgery in order to realign the muscles to try to um, fix the eyes, you know, to be straight. Um, In adults, you know, they can develop a quote unquote lazy eye where an eye turns in or turns out or up or down um, if they have a stroke or, you know, if they have something else that affects the neurologic um, innervation to the muscles or the muscles themselves. And we can do the same surgery. Um, The caveat is what we are describing is that this happens mostly toward the end of the day. And so that's when you're tired and the eyes have worked a lot. And that's a little bit different than an eye being turned out, you know, or in all, you know, all the time in the, in the same amount all the time. Um, and so this, this is probably a result of what happened as a child when you were patched, you know, that was to try to quote unquote strengthen, um, you know, the, does that work? The eye. It does. So um, we don't patch as much anymore because there was a study that came out out um, um, uh, several years ago that um, shows that in a child who has amblyopia, meaning they don't see as well out of that eye and you need to strengthen the bad eye, then you can um, it, 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 you can patch the good eye and force the other eye to look or you can um, put dilating drops in the good eye and blur the vision in the good eye and therefore force the bad eye to develop um, that way. So we don't, so you don't see as many kids with patches on their eye and more as you used to because of that study. Um, but as far as your eye turning in or out toward the end of the day, um, since it's intermittent and it's not constant, then there's not a surgery that we can do, um, you know, to, to quote unquote straighten it because I'm assuming that during most of the day you are able, you know, when, when you're good and awake and not tired, you are able to hold those eyes together. Um, if it, if it is something that's happening all day during the day and so you start seeing double, then um, another way to treat it is to put prisms in eyeglasses. And so prisms on, you know, will bend the light to, to, to focus the vision to only have one image um, if, if the eye is, 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 is at a constant um, turned in or turned out. But um, if it's intermittent and it comes and goes, then, um, no, I mean, the, the best thing, you know, is just try, you know, take frequent breaks when you're staring at your computer. And, you know, I mean, just, just, just literally kind of give the eye a break 
sleep throughout the day to try to not, you know, um, exhaust those muscles. Can I get a doctor's note saying I can sleep at work or no, something like that? No, no. When Sharon, I say, I, a, when I I say a break, I mean like 30 seconds. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Sharon, thank you so much I for I was going to start having a lazy eye right now. Thanks, Sharon. We have another call from Mobile. That's our hotspot today. Chris is calling in. Hi, Chris. Hi, how you doing? Great. Go ahead. Uh, well, I don't really have any condition right now that I worry about or whatever, but I was just curious about something that I was, when I was in my mid-20s, I was about 25 years old, that was about more than 25 years ago. Um, I had an issue where one eye went from normal vision to 2400 in like a day and stayed like that for about a week. And it went away on its own. Um, but in seeing the eye doctor, the thing I'm trying to figure out is what the, what it was called. Um, he said it was fairly common for men in their mid-20s. Um, and I'd never heard of it before, not being able to remember a name. I can't even look it up. It was something opathy, you know, whatever. Um, I'm just wondering if you'd heard such a thing and if you know what it was called. Um, so did, did you have any pain when the vision went out, or was it painless? It was really weird. Just like one day I wake up and everything's a total blur, 2,400 in one eye. And, and I went and saw him and he looked at it. Oh, yeah, it's called something opathy and uh, it's pretty common. It'll go away. And it did. So there are lots of opathies. Um, you know, we 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 worry about you know if it if it's something that affects your nerve, then we call it a neuropathy. Okay, if it's something that affects your retina or the central vision in your retina, we call a maculopathy. Um, it, it sounds like you might have had swelling in your macula, which can happen in young men, um, especially. Um, we see it in you know type A personalities who get pretty stressed out. Then this does occur, and it does usually resolve um, on its own. Um, you know. And it, it usually takes longer than a week, though. That's the only part that doesn't quite fit with the picture. It usually takes several weeks um, to resolve. But, um, but yeah, that it, it, it hopefully won't come back. Um, it can come back. But if it's been 25 years since you've had it, then um, you're probably in the clear from that diagnosis. But if you're in your 50s, then still need eye exams to get screened for all kinds of um, other eye diseases. <laughs> Chris, well, thanks well, so much. I don't much. know if, it has, if it's associated at all, but um, in the same eye... Like uh, over 25 years later, I did have to have um, the laser treatment to, to fix a small tear in the back of my eye, uh, which I don't know where that came from, but that's been addressed. I don't. Other than those two things, I've never had any issues. Well, it, it sounds like you're in, in good hands, but yes, um, the the retinal tears, um, it's it's another aging thing that can happen, especially in what we call myopic or nearsighted patients. Their eyeballs are a little bit longer than normal, so the tissue in the back is stretched a little bit thinner, and so they are prone to have um, retinal tears. The symptoms that go with those are in the one eye, you get a brand new shower of a whole bunch of floaters, little black spots, or you start seeing sustained flashes of light. Um, that's Those are both signs of um, possible retinal tears um, and then if you start seeing a black curtain coming across your vision in one eye then that's a sign of a retinal detachment those things are are definitely things that need to be looked at right away but if your retinal tear has been lasered then it sounds like you're in good hands it shouldn't cause you any more problems all right chris thanks so much for calling and speaking of retinal tears i had one i woke up one day and i had some floaters for the very first time just a couple and I'm looking, and I thought there were bugs in the room. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what people say. Head. They swat the gnats. <laughs> so there was one that kind of stayed down in the corner of my eye, and, and someone said, you should go see an eye doctor. So I went to my optometrist who was looking around, and she goes, I don't see anything, but I'm not sure, so let me send you to an ophthalmologist. So I went to someone at UMMC, 
and said, yeah, there's a tear in there. So he did laser surgery, which is the strangest feeling thing <laughs> you will ever yes. go through. Because it's like little, how many how many pin pricks do they do? And yeah, it depends on how big the tear is, how many laser shots you need. <laughs> but um, it, it, and, it's, and, and clarify, so pa- patients aren't scared to go <laughs> no, see about not, it. It's not it's painful. Not painful no. but, um, it's just unusual. You can feel it. It is, it is an unusual sensation. And no uh, one's used to having their eye handled in any way. Right. Well, so it's think, always kind of weird. To think that you're having some lasered in your in your eyeball yeah. and and it's just like the teeniest pinprick but again it doesn't hurt but there's so many of them that i'm thinking this is really cool but it's kind of odd and i hope he stops soon you know <laughs> and then it was over it's very quick and you see it coming at you <laughs> and i still see floaters occasionally but the and so most people do have of. floaters as they age um like i said the, the warning signs are if you have an acute change in your floater so like you said one morning all of a sudden you were swatting a lot of bugs okay so there was an acute change so that's when you worry about floaters. Um, like I said, most people um, as as they get a little bit older, they do see floaters and um, nearsighted people, even when they're very young, they start seeing floaters. And so floaters are normal. It's just if you have an acute change in your floaters that you need to be concerned. So what causes the floaters? So the back of the eye is filled with the jelly substance called vitreous and um, you can um, sometimes see the edges of that vitreous, okay? And as you age, the vitreous liquefies and when it liquefies and separates from the back of the eye, then you usually have a normal increase in floaters because you you see the edges of where it used to be adherent to the back of the eye. We're going back to the phones, and Robert is calling in from Grand Bay. Hi, Robert. Where is Grand Bay? Uh, Mobile County. See, another one from Alabama. What's with Mobile today? (laughs) We love you, Mobile. Keep listening. Go ahead, Robert. Uh, Well, my daughter, uh, she has one of her eyes, uh, her left eye, it seems like when she loses it, like if she like defocuses her vision, um, the one eye will drift out to the to the left. And, and we have we've had surgery on it once before, and it corrected it for some time, but it's starting to do it again. And we contacted the physician, and his answer is is more surgery. But there are you know the risks that he was saying that are associated with that is that it could permanently go out. And so how old is your daughter? Uh, she's nine now. Nine. So, um, like I said, that this is this is something we like to address when they are children because, you know, once they're adults, then it becomes harder to permanently correct. It's not unusual, though, for children to have to have more than one muscle surgery. Now, anytime mm-hmm. there's any kind of eye surgery, you know, we are obligated to say, you know, a risk of eye surgery is blindness. Okay. The risk of, eye, of blindness, though, from a muscle surgery, which is uh, a surgery only on the outside side of the eye is incredibly, incredibly rare. Um, so okay. I wouldn't let that stop you. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it sounds like you're in the hands of a good ophthalmologist, um, you know, who, who regularly does strabismus surgery. But, um, you know, it's sometimes just as the children grow and as their, you know, what we call their refractive error changes, um, meaning, you know, their ability of the eye to focus, um, then um, those, those, that alignment, um, you know, can get off a little bit, you know, especially if they've, they've had a problem, you know, 
know, since they were a young child. But um, yeah, right. whenever I mean, when when you know, Karen had her laser treatment, then I assure you, somebody said the risk of this is blindness. You Nobody know, I mean, said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope well, they do. Let me go back and talk to the faculty. But yeah. um, you know, any eye procedure, yeah. I mean, it'd be incredibly rare. But um, you know, that that that's something that we have to disclose. Um, but I, right. you know, if 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 his recommendation is to re-straighten the eyes or her recommendation, um, then you know, I, I wouldn't let the blindness threat, you know, be what deters you. I would, I would, right. especially, now, I would just mainly ask, you know, what are the chances that you think that this is going to help it and that this is going to work? I mean, that's what I'd right, be more concerned right. about. At, at, now, at what age should we, you know, let's say that the second surgery doesn't work, at what age should we just stop trying? Because well, so we do we do muscle migraine. we do muscle surgery on adults. I mean, you know, we 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 don't ever stop. It's just that it's more likely to quote unquote work in younger children. Okay, Robert, we have to go. Thank you so much for your phone call. Time for our second break of the show. If you want to call in with a question about your eyes, your vision, the number is eight seven seven MPB ring eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or send an email to women at mp pbonline.org We'll be back on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio Come over you You found someone And don't it make my brown eyes blue Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. MPB Think Radio goes off the beaten path with diverse perspectives and award-winning content, attracting an audience who appreciate honesty and value. Sound familiar? Reach your target audience with an MPB underwriting credit. For more information, go to mpbonline.org. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. songs today. Jay White is doing a great song on yes. Music Master and Master Dirty Control. dancing. We got it. Happy Friday. I'm hoping you'll be queuing up. She's got Betty Davis eyes for later oh, in the show. That's a good one. <laughs> we have lots. How many songs are there about eyes? My goodness. Lots. The Eye in the Sky. The Eyes Have It. That's not even a song. All right. <laughs> We're talking about eyes today. I'm Karen Brown. Dr. Allie Brown is here and our special guest, Dr. Kimberly Crowder. She is an ophthalmologist. With Allie, that was a really MMC. nice Alan Parsons project reference right there. A to the P to the P. That, mm-hmm. My dad loves that song. You should play it for him. He's listening. 
Okay. I always thought it was kind of creepy, the eye in the sky. It kind of is, yeah, it's kind of creepy. We yeah. take requests, but we also take phone calls about uh, eyes today. <laughs> so if you want to call, it's 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. All right, here's another question I have. My ex-husband woke up one morning, and the bottom half of one of his eyes was like someone had pulled a curtain up. Oh, usually you hear about the curtain coming down. Yeah, no, like this he, like the curtain can come from any direction. So the Ooh. bottom half of his eye, he never regained... It. I shouldn't say no. It was, he we didn't go blind. It was like a kind of cloudy, kind okay. of like a... What, uh, what's haze, the word? sort of? Yeah, kind of like a haze. And it never went away. And the doctor that he went to said it might have it was like a mini stroke right. in his eye that oh. that can happen unfortunately um and so yeah we we counsel patients about you know if you see the black curtain you know our 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 biggest concern is that you're having a retinal detachment because time is of essence for us repairing those but um unfortunately yes you can have a stopped up blood vessel that's feeding you know half of the eye and um just like a stroke to the brain if 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 one of the blood vessels does not get blood supply anymore, then it can kill part of the brain. The same thing can happen to the retina or the optic nerve. I think that brings up a really important thing that the eyes, these systemic, as we call them, diseases, you know, diseases that affect your whole body, high blood pressure, diabetes, they can affect your eyes very Definitely. much. And Definitely. it can be silent. You might not even know it's happening. Yeah. So important to go see your Every eye Every one of our phone lines just oh, lit up. So we're going to go it. to the phones. Robert calling in from Memphis. Hi, Robert. Hello. Hello. What's your question, Robert? Uh, I have a, a dry eye condition. Uh, I've been to an ophthalmologist, and the only subscribed, only medicine they subscribed was Miro 128 eye drops. And in the morning when I wake up, sometimes I have to take my hand and open my eyes because if I just open them, it it's like tear. You know, it's like my eyelids just up to my eyeball. Oh my, that must be uncomfortable. So thank you for opening this topic because this is something that I deal with every single day. Um, dry eye is, is definitely a condition that affects lots and lots of people out there. Um, so there are lots of different treatments for dry eye. Um, it's another one of those things that is more common the older we get, but you also have to pay close attention to your environmental um, factors. So the one thing I ask patients when they tell me that their eyelids are stuck together in the morning, meaning that their eyes are very are getting very dry overnight is do you sleep with a fan on because that will worsen your dry eyes and do you have a CPAP or a BiPAP you know um, which our sleep apnea patients all sleep with um, those things um, also contribute to worsening dry eye overnight so um, I recommend that you sleep in you apply a lubricating ophthalmic ointment so this is it's thick it comes in a little tiny tube but it's thick um, petroleum based you know kind of like that but it's made specifically for the eye. So this will lubricate the eyes and protect the eyes while you sleep. Um, lots of people in Mississippi and Memphis sleep with ceiling fans and cannot turn their ceiling fan off or, you know, any other fan. And so uh, in addition to the lubricating ointment, I say go ahead and put one of those nice little satin eye masks that you get at the spa, okay? Um, cover your eyes while you sleep to block some of that air. Is that available over the counter? The lubricating ointment? Yes. It is, yes. And so it's sold in the same area where the drops
products are. So anything that says lubricant in tiny little writing, you know, it doesn't matter what brand, anything that says lubricant is very, very healthy for your eyes and good for your eyes. You don't need to get the red out and, you, you know, not everybody needs to get the allergy out. You know, red eyes don't mean allergy all the time. So anything that says lubricant is good. You need to use these drops frequently, you know, depending on how severe your dry eyes are. But like I said, um, if you're having worsening dry eyes at night, then you've got to treat it at nighttime. You can't just treat it with drops during the day. You have to do something at nighttime. Um, there are other just, you know, I can, I can see the calls. Um, so uh, there are other, um, if, if the conservative treatment, meaning doing um, lubricating drops during the day and lubricating ointment at bedtime, if that's not enough, then there are prescription drops, um, d- you know, designed for dry eye. Um, and there are these little things called punctal plugs, which we can put to um, um, prevent your tears from draining as fast. So there are lots of treatment options. The um, Miro 128 is, is a good drop. It, it's mainly used for, um, for swelling of the cornea, but it does have lubricating properties as well. But um, definitely need over-counter lubricating drops and lubricating ointment at night. Thanks for your question, Robert. Best of luck to you. And uh, now we are going to talk to Dudley, who is calling in from, I'm not sure. Dudley, are you on the road? Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in Cowling County. Okay. All right, good. You have a question about, is it macular degeneration you're calling about? Yes, I just would like to hear the doctor comment on that. I have this, and I see a specialist with the Rainer Eye Clinic, and it's improving, but uh, I would just like to hear what she thinks about this for older people. So um, this is another one of those aging eye diseases. Um, you know, um, God did not make our eyes, you know, to live for 80, 90, 100 years as we are living in aging. Um, macular degeneration is is definitely a problem that affects um, lots of older people. Um, risk factors for it um, are especially strong if you have a family history of macular degeneration. If you have smoked any time in your life, then that increases your risk. And it tend, it tends to be a disease more prominent in Caucasians. Um, so there are um, different forms of macular degeneration. Um, it is usually a progressive disease, but there are different different kinds or different forms of macular degeneration. Um, most of the lay population understand when I say there is a dry kind and there is a wet kind. Um, the dry kind of macular degeneration is the most common. It is progressive, but it is very slowly progressive. So vision goes down very, very slowly. The wet kind, um, um, and you can have both kinds, but the wet kind is when there's actually um, bleeding in the macula area, and that is very rapidly progressive, but that is what we have really good treatments for, thankfully, right now. These treatments are, you actually... um, place an, an injection of medication into the eye to treat the um, the wet form of the macular degeneration. Dudley, how is your vision? Uh, it's it's fair, but I am taking I have the wet kind, and I'm taking the injections once a month. Yes, sir. Somewhat, but I just wanted to hear your comments. And so, I mean, we're, we are fortunate, you know, these in, these injections weren't discovered until the mid-2000s, and so that's fairly recent for something. So, you know, prior to, um, they're called anti-VEGF injections. Um, prior to these injections, people with the wet kind, we would try to laser to stop the bleeding, but, you know, the, the laser would destroy the tissue and not help the vision. That we're, we're thankful, you know, with these injections, even though you, you do have to go through this, you know, frequently, it's usually, like you said, you know, once a month 
month or every few weeks um, you have to get a new injection. Um, they do stop the bleeding and they can help even improve vision, not just stabilize vision. So definitely stick with your specialist and um, keep your appointments. Thank you so much. Best of luck to you, Dudley. I'm glad you brought up that topic for us. Thank you so much. And now we stay on the phones. And in fact, if you want to call me, say this first call one eight seven seven MPB ring eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. And we do have some lines open now, but we're going to say hi to Pat calling in from Alabama again. Alabama is our state today. Yes, just in honor of Dr. Owens, and she's not even here to appreciate it. Go ahead, Pat. Uh, yeah, can you talk a little bit about how important it is for optometrists to have qualified people to uh, fit you with your glasses to make sure that your lenses um, and your glasses come back so you can see out of them? And I'll, I'll listen. Thank you. Well, first of all, I think it's important to talk about what is, because maybe some people don't know, that there is a difference between an optometrist and an ophthalmologist. And then you've got to throw in another uh, profession that's called an optician. Okay? Uh, okay. And your optician is actually who is the one who makes the, the glasses and fits the glasses and makes sure that everything is correct. So um, um, optometrist and ophthalmologist both um, prescribe glasses prescriptions. Okay. But then, you know, you have to take the glasses prescription to somewhere that they actually make the glasses. Um, so sometimes it is an optometrist who is, you know, fitting and making sure the lenses is everything is, is, is okay. And then sometimes it's an optician who um, plays this role. Um, yes, you can um, definitely, you know, have the correct prescription. And then if the glasses, you know, aren't made or fit just right, then they're not correct. I always tell my patients, you know, if, if, we, if we give you a glasses prescription, you go and have the the glasses made and you don't feel like you're seeing as well as you're supposed to see, then, you know, give us a call and, you know, I'll bring you in. I'll have one of my technicians, you know, um, a measure the glasses to see if the prescription is what we wrote and put them on your face and make sure that they're lined up correctly. There's, there's lots of different reasons that people, you know, don't see well through their glasses. Um, sometimes it's that we did the wrong prescription. And so we need to, you know, redo the prescription. And then other times it's the way the glasses fit or the way the glasses are made. Um, then the the patient's not looking through, you know, the correct part of the glasses. And so that's something that the optician or optometrist can usually adjust. Um, <clears throat> I'm always very thankful when um, the optician or optometrist, you know, have policies where they will, you know, remake the glasses within a certain time period, you know, if, if something wasn't done just right. And but yeah, definitely don't just suffer, you know, through your glasses. Um, go back to who gave you the prescription and say, you know, can you make sure that the prescription is still correct? Um, if you're, you know, there's lots of reasons, unfortunately, that sometimes prescriptions do change very quickly. And so sometimes I'll have patients that'll hold on to their prescription for a few months and then they'll go get it filled. But if they're developing cataracts or anything like that, their prescription may have changed in a few months. And so it may not be that, you know, it was incorrect or it was made wrong, but it may be that, that since, you know, they didn't get it filled right away, then something has changed in a matter of months and we've kind of got to start all over. All right. I'm going to ask a dumb question before we go back to the phone, but I'm sure someone's thought this too. Are contact lenses better for vision because they're close to your eyes as opposed to glasses, which are like an inch away or less than an inch away? So um, in certain cases, especially if you have um, a high degree of astigmatism, which means that your cornea is shaped more like a football than like a round basketball, then the contact lens will help mold that and usually will help the vision be more clear um, compared to spectacles. Okay. Um, Now, you asked vision. And so, yes, sometimes you can get better vision in contacts. Most of the time, it's 
it's pretty darn close, though, depending on what your prescription is. Now, you have to be very, very careful with your contacts, though, because contacts are not good for your eyes. Okay, you have to be very careful with your hygiene and with taking them out and giving your eyes a break. Because your eyes have to breathe, is that right? They don't, do. Don't sleep in them, right? That's don't a big sleep no-no. in your contacts. Yeah, okay. We say hi to Mikey calling in from Mobile. Go ahead, Mikey. Hey, good morning. Listen, uh, uh, it is St. Patty's Day today, 2017, and um, having some part of uh, that genetic, you know, encoding, um, I'd like to ask how much of a, and having, uh, okay, I'm more than one, you know, a half dozen, slightly more than a half dozen experiments in parentage. So... Um, some of us experience what is called the lazy eye thing. Some of us do not. And it's, it's not, it's fortunately not um, all the time, but it is just once in a while. Um, so how much of a role does genetics play? Okay. Thanks, Mikey. Um, so yeah, there, there is some genetic component of being born with a lazy eye. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of children we see with a lazy eye, they did have a parent who has a history of strabismus surgery or amblyopia. Um, yeah, there, it's not something we can pinpoint the exact gene, but there, there is some family history that goes with that. All right. We thank you for your phone call. We have a couple of callers waiting on the line. We didn't take our last break. You still have a chance to call in with your questions or comments. The number is 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464, or email women at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. The 1996 film Train Spotting introduced a group of charming Scottish junkies. Now, the sequel. It became very personal, I think, for all of us about male behavior over time, really. And a period of 20 years is an extraordinary kind of measuring point, you know, or reckoning moment. Danny Boyle, the director, and Ewan McGregor, the star of T2, later this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. Tiger. 
That would have really gotten us going. This is good, James. There's another opportunity. Okay. And maybe we'll hear it again or hear it for the first time. We are back for our final minutes of Southern Remedy for Women. Pardon me. Talking about eyes today and your vision. And our guest is Dr. Kimberly Crowder, who is an ophthalmologist. And we're going to go to the phones and get our final phone calls here. Rocky. Jay's leaving it on just to freak me out. (laughs) Rocky, you have a question for us? Yes, thank you for taking my call. My question is, uh, when I was a kid, I had an issue on my right eye with toxoplasmosis, so which reduced my vision in the eyes to basically just a peripheral vision. And about 20 years ago, I had to start using glasses and contacts on my left eye. And I've noticed that my vision on the left eye has decreased quite a bit to the point that now what I sneeze, I see a lot of stars. And I don't know if it's related to a tear or what could be the problem. I have talked to my ophthalmologist about it, and he said, well, don't worry, it's just aging process. Is there anything else that you think I need to be looking at? Um, it, it depends. So people who have had prior infections, they do usually have scars in the back of the eye. And sometimes these scars can develop membranes, which bleed. Um, so, you know, it may, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming your ophthalmologist is looking for that. But there's there's actually little scans called OCTs that they can do in the office and, and scan the scar and just, you know, confirm that there's not a membrane that's bleeding that could be making your vision worse. In which case, a retina specialist um, would be the one who would need to um, treat that. Um, um, and, you know, it, and so it, it depends on, you know, exactly what your vision is and, and what is back there. But um, it, the infection is not going to come back. But like I said, these infections do leave scars in the back of the eyes and the scars themselves can develop problems. So, um, you know, if, if you're not comfortable with one answer, then, um, yeah, then seek out another opinion. It's, you know, I, I tell my patients that all the time, you know, if, if I, I'm not opposed to second opinions um, to see if there's, you know, anything else that can be done. Okay, Rocky. Thank you very much. Thank you for calling. And now we go back to the phone. Bill calling in from Flowood. Bill, go ahead. Yes, I just had one question. Uh, The doctor made the comment that our eyes weren't uh, created by God to last for more than 100 years. And I I was just wondering how Moses was able to lead the Israelites out of the Uh, out of Egypt. So let me clarify, because some people, their eyes do last well into their hundreds, and they have no problems, and they see fabulous. But a lot of us, unfortunately, just like our hearts give out, or our kidneys give out, a lot of us, our eyes, are they are an organ, and they develop diseases which affect sight, which is either macular degeneration, and a lot of people, or glaucoma, um, you know, in another um, spectrum of the population. Um, But there there are people, you know, who still see very well, and I don't know how old's the oldest person. They just turned like 113 or something, you know, very recently. And uh, that patient, is, that person is not my patient, but there, there are people. There's, there's just unfortunately, um, it, it's not that macular degeneration is a new disease. It's just that we see so much more of it now than you know 50 years ago because people's lifespans are longer now, and it's it's a disease related to aging. Um, I can't specifically comment on Moses, but um, obviously he had really good genetics. Or he, he was really blessed, and um, he had he had he had excellent eyesight, and for however many hundreds of years that was. Well, many many of the early characters in the Bible lived for hundreds and hundreds of years, and 
I just haven't seen anything where they had problems with their eyes. <laughs> well, they, they probably had other priorities. Ophthalmology, <laughs> yeah, ophthalmology as a profession um, didn't come out until the till the 1800s. Right. So. Bill, thank you so much for your phone call. Um, before we end the show, we have just a, about a minute and a half left. What would you tell people in general how to treat you know health for their eyes? What should you be doing? So just like your other organs, um, a healthy diet is very, very important to your eye health, um, you know, and so we know that, that that's part of it because, you know, just like you alluded to, you know, you can have a stroke to the eye, you know, and so um, as you age, so you definitely want to follow doctor's, you know, advice as far as healthy diet and, you know, exercise. And if you're a diabetic, then you need, you know, regular screenings, you know, so we can catch retinopathy early. Um, you need to keep your sugars good. You know, um, if you have family history of any eye diseases, then you need regular screenings because, um, like I said, there's, there's a lot of diseases which we can treat as long as we catch them um, early enough and we don't always find them um, unless you actually are going to an eye doctor and having screening exams and that usually means you need to be dilated and so a lot of people are opposed to being dilated but um, we can't see um, all of the important stuff in the eyes unless we do dilate your pupil and it is uncomfortable for a few hours it does make your vision a little blurry but um, it's worth it to make sure that the eyes are healthy and plus when you're a little kid you know how you that school anyway they they used to have quick eye exams and i know that when my son did it he was like four years old and he had trouble seeing so he got in glasses he needed them and i right. wouldn't have known i would have had no idea he needed glasses and at that thankfully age. our schools do a really good job of um doing vision screenings and our pediatricians do really good jobs of doing vision screenings but um um and and thankfully most of our children have normal vision but yeah if your child um does not pass that pediatrician vision screening or that school vision screening then Yes, please get them into an eye doctor. Dr. Kimberly Crowder, thank you so much for coming in yeah, today. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. See, there's my song, Eye of the Tiger. Isn't that That's from Rocky? Right. Yes, from ma'am. Rocky, Rocky 2 or 3 or 4 or 5. I think it's those. the first one, the OG. No, I think it's the one with, oh, it's from Rocky 4, really? Jay tells really? us. No way, I Jay. thought it was the one with, um, anyway, let me get on with this. Southern Memory for Women is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. It's funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by generous support from the MPB Foundation. Today's show was engineered by Jay White, also mixing our music for us. Our call screener, Java Chapman. For Dr. Allie Brown, I'm Karen Brown. Join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy for Women. And stay tuned. NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio.